All right, we are ready to begin. If you'd like to come in and find a seat. We are ready to begin. If you'd like to come in and find a seat. We have sermon notes today. In case you did not get them, there are these yellow yellow pages. There are some on the back table in the auditorium. If you didn't didn't get one, you do need sermon notes for today to follow along. So be sure to get get the uh, yellow yellow papers that are on the back back table. Some of you know uh, we've been going through one by one the values of Dove International and our teachings each each Sunday morning, and uh, uh, we've been going through uh, Dove value number one, which was uh, three weeks ago, was knowing God the Father through His Son Jesus Christ and living by His Word as the foundation of life. So we've been talking about. Uh, some of the foundational things that we believe as a family of churches. We're part of a family of churches called Dove International, uh, sort of around the world. If you take a look at the big map, you can see uh, sort of where, where the churches are all, all over the world. Dove value number two that we covered, uh, it's essential for every believer to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and be completely dependent on Him. So we talked about uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Dove value number three, the Great Commission will be completed through prayer, evangelism, discipleship, and church planning. Uh, some of you remember um, uh, Pastor Merle talked about developing your own testimony and being able to share your own testimony with people. If you missed any of these teachings, they're all on video on, on the church website, so you can always uh, connect with uh, those uh, teachings there. And today we're talking about dove value number four, uh, and it says we deeply value the sacred covenant of marriage and the importance of training our children to know Christ. So I'm going to be talking about marriage this morning. I'm going to be talking about singleness. I'm going to be talking about uh, sort of the, the states of life that, that each of us find ourselves. Uh, what did that little girl say in the video? Uh, they're talking about adult things in, in, uh, in the sermon. So that's what we're talking about this morning, adult things in the sermon. And, and uh, dove value number four says, uh, we believe in the sacred covenant of marriage. It's our belief that marriage is between one man and one woman. And we really just want to be upfront and straight that this is what we believe. Both marriage and family are instituted by God and healthy, stable families are essential for the church to be effective in fulfilling its mission. Parents are called by God to walk in the character of Christ and train their children and the nurture and loving discipline of the Lord Christ. And, and the Lord is calling His people to walk in the fear of the Lord in a biblical standard of holiness and purity. Marriage covenants are ordained by God and need to be honored and kept. We uphold the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman. Now, we, we talked about this uh, some time back, but I really felt like we needed to emphasize and, and, and talk again that even though... Most people eventually 
marry or at least pursue marriage in some way, God calls some people to remain single. And, and, and in fact, the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul in the Bible says that, that um, uh, for him, for some people who are, God gives a gift of being single, that, that sometimes it's preferable. There are advantages to being, to being single. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, I wish that all were as I am myself. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. And then he goes on and says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. So, so Paul here starts talking about if God gives you the gift of singleness, then there are advantages to being single. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So, Strangely, the Bible is saying that there are advantages and benefits to being single, and there are also advantages and benefits to being, to being married as well. I don't know if you've, you've ever heard or someone has ever told you that, that, as a single, that they wanted to fix you up. You know, all of us are born single, right? We were all single at one time. And, and that, that uh, someone wanted to fix you up and, and uh, set you up with someone. Well, I object to that a little bit because my contention is that single people aren't broken. They don't need to be fixed. Uh, and, and I believe that we, we ought to take a step back and be cautious about um, putting pressure on others to be married when God might be calling them to be single. Uh, like there's something wrong with you if, if you're married, when, uh, if you're not married. Uh, like there's nothing wrong with single people because God may be calling them to be, to be single. The Apostle Paul was, was one of the greatest heroes of the Bible, and he was single. And he said there are advantages, there are benefits to being single. So uh, I believe we ought to watch out and be careful about pressuring others. Uh, like there's something wrong if you're not dating. There's something wrong if you don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, let's, let's be careful about that. Parents, grandparents, let's be careful about pressuring teens and, and young adults, uh, putting your expectations on them. You know, for I believe for young people, the, the times we live in right now are stressful enough uh, for, for young people without, without you adding to it. So let's be careful. Uh, the best thing you can do is pray for the teens and young adults around you, that they'd walk in the path and destiny that God has called them to, whether it's marriage, whether it's to be single, whether it's to be single for this season and maybe pursuing marriage later. Uh, let, let's, be, let's be aware. Let's be cautious. Uh, let's be discerning about that. So number one, God calls some people to be single. Number two, marriage is God's good plan for, for some people. For this time and place. What do I mean by that? For this time and place. Well, I believe the Bible teaches that as we look ahead to heaven and we look ahead to eternity, that there's no marriage 
in heaven or eternity. People go to heaven and there, there are no weddings in heaven. People aren't getting married in heaven. Matthew 22, Jesus said, uh, the same day the Sadducees came to him, uh, and these people were a, a religious belief who said there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses said if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So to the second and third, down to the seventh, after them all, dying one by one, all the way down through seven husbands, the woman also died. And the question for Jesus was, when they get to heaven in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? She's been married to, she's been married to seven brothers. Whose wife is she in heaven? And Jesus answered, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like the angels in heaven. In other words, heaven is not simply an extension of the pleasures that people enjoy here on earth. Uh, in heaven, marriage isn't necessary. And, and once we've received glorified bodies in heaven, there's no need for uh, having babies and having children, so there's no purpose for for uh, marriage in heaven. Uh, and we also have noticed here, as we've been teaching, that, that the physical realities that we see here on earth are often pointing to, to spiritual realities that are coming in heaven. So marriage here on earth points, uh, between a man and a woman here on earth, points to a spiritual reality that's coming in heaven. What does that mean? Uh, that sounds confusing. What is coming in the future in heaven? Revelation 19, the apostle John writes, I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice, let us exalt, and give him the glory. Listen to this. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So what John is, is pointing us forward to in heaven is that one day there is going to be a marriage ceremony. There's going to be a wedding celebration in heaven. But it's not between two people. It's going to be between Jesus and his bride. And that's us, the, the, the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. I imagine some of you guys are sitting here, sitting there thinking, I'm going to be a bride. That sounds really weird. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. The Bible says it. Let, let's go with it. Uh, that's, what, that's what the Bible says, that we, uh, Jesus is like the bridegroom, and we are the bride of Christ. And there's going to be an amazing, amazing wedding ceremony in heaven when that day comes. So marriage here on earth between a man and a woman is pointing us forward to that great uh, much greater wedding ceremony that's going to happen in heaven. Number three, marriage is intended to be between one man and one woman. Genesis 2, 
in the story of creation, the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So we were made for relationship. Whether you're single, whether you're married, we, we, we need relationships as, as people. God himself is in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect unity, harmony, and relationship. And in the same way, we were created by God to be in, in relationship, just as God is in relationship. I don't know if you uh, watch movies. I, I love to watch movies, and, and uh, uh, this is an old movie from years ago starring Tom Hanks. Uh, the name of it was Castaway, and he was uh, uh, marooned on this, on this deserted island in the middle of the Pacific for years, all by himself. Uh, and, you know, it was a it was a lonely experience. I think he worked for, who was it, FedEx? Did he work for FedEx? Yeah. So he was a FedEx uh, executive and, and uh, was traveling to uh, Asia to sort out some, some uh, shipping uh, problems and, and crashes onto this, onto this island, and he's the only one who survives. And he's there for years, surviving on, uh, learning to survive on this island. And, and the movie portrays that he's desperately lonely, and, and searching for some sort of relationship, so much that as he opens up the boxes of uh, FedEx packages that washed up on shore, one of them contained a volleyball. And, and so he, he <laughs> it sounds really weird, but he develops this friendship and relationship with a volleyball. And, of course, the, the brand of the volleyball was, was Wilson, uh, written right on, on the volleyball. And so he names the volleyball Wilson, and he draws this little face on it, and he has conversations with it, and he talks to it. I think I have a picture here. Do I have a picture? Yeah, there we go. So, so that, you know, that's what he looks like after years being marooned on the island. He looks horrible. And, and he's got this volleyball. It's his only friend uh, on the island. And, and he's got this face, and he talks. And, and you can sort of imagine that he's having the conversation, as, and Wilson's talking back because he'll, he'll stop and, and he'll talk to Wilson, then he'll pause. And then he'll go into this further discussion, like Wilson's talking back to him. You know, we were made for relationship. We're, we're desperate for, for relationships around us. That's the way God has made us. And it seems like we try to, we try to find them in, in whatever way we can. So Genesis 2 continues, uh, saying that for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Then 1 Corinthians 7 also, Because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So marriage is intended all the way along from creation to be between one man and one woman. Not only that, but number four, marriage is intended to be lifelong. Um, we are only released from marriage with the, with the death of a spouse. Marriage is intended to be for the, for the rest of your life, as long as you both shall, what? Live, yeah. 
as long as you both shall live. You've been to a wedding ceremony and heard that. And, and along with that, physical sex is God's good plan within the marriage covenant. And, and we believe the Bible teaches that any sexual activity outside of marriage is sin. It's not in, good, in, in God's good plan. Now, I want to talk about a, a certain topic here in, in the area of marriage that um, I feel is, is something that we should be concerned about as Christians in our, in our culture and in our society. I'm, I'm one of those weird people who um, we get a, a daily newspaper, Lancaster newspaper, delivered to our house every morning, and, and I like to read just about the whole newspaper, every bit of it. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll get the news section, and I'll start going through that. Julie gets the sports section, and, and we're happy because she, she goes for the sports, and I go for the news, and, we're, you know, and I'll read all the news. I mean, I'll read the deaths and obituaries, and I'll read the, the notes from uh, school board meetings, and I'll, I'll read the township, township meeting notes, and I'll read the, uh, the crimes that people were charged with, and, and the people who had babies, and and the one that has intrigued me most lately, and I think is a telling sign for us in our culture and our society today, is uh, the, the list of marriage licenses. And so, you know, sometimes I go down through thinking, maybe someone's getting married that I know. And, and so, I don't know if you remember going to the courthouse, uh, if you're married here, and, and applying for a marriage license. So, they get, your, they get your name, and they get your parents' names, and they get your address, uh, for the for the man first, if it's a man and woman, and then uh, secondly, they have uh, the woman's name and and the names of her parents and and her address. And what I've been noticing more and more lately, as I look at marriage license applications, is that uh, we'll have the man, his parents, address, lady, her parents, and two words. Same address. And it makes me stop and think, those people are already living together. They're not married, but they're already living together. And so I want to talk about that a bit this morning. The, the official word, uh, the big word for it is cohabitation. What does the Bible say? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not talking about renting a room from someone in their house. I'm talking about a couple who are living together and sleeping together as if they were married. Uh, I'm talking about um, uh, people who, uh, yeah. So cohabitation is becoming, it seems like, more and more accepted in our culture. Uh, We see it in TV shows. We see it in movies. Uh, People are just easily and happily moving together. Um, And I'm not here condemning people in any way. Um, maybe some of you are living together now today. Maybe some of you have and, and um, have um, received forgiveness. I, I'm not condemning, but I, I believe that God wants to pinpoint something that's happening in our culture and perhaps lead us to a, a, a new way, challenge us in new ways. It seems like since the 1960s, um, people have been studying marriage and people have been studying living together and there's there are huge amounts of scientific research as a result of studying people's lives. So 
we're going to look at what science says first about living together without being married, and then, and then what God says about it. And, and two books I read in preparation for this, uh, uh, the first one by David Goodrell is Before You Live Together. I'm going to put these in the library in case you're interested in, in taking a look at them. The second one, which I think I more highly recommend, is by Glenn Stanton called The Ring Makes All the Difference. Good title. The Ring Makes All the Difference. And so we want to explore this morning, you know, why is this happening? What are the reasons or excuses people give for living together without being married? Uh, number one is a low view of marriage. Uh, the excuse that we don't need some piece of paper to uh, say what we can do. We don't need some silly ceremony to say what we can and do or can't do. We love each other, and love is all you need. We'll, we'll, uh, uh, we, can, uh, we can do without all the, all the legalities about it. Low view of marriage. Marriage doesn't mean much. Secondly, conversely, ironically, is a high view of marriage. Uh, what do we mean by that? It, we mean that uh, this couple, we want to get married, but we hear and see marriage failure all around us. We, we've seen the pain, we've seen the divorce all around us. Uh, we may even have grown up in a family that experienced the pain and heartache of divorce, and we don't want to repeat that same pain. Uh, so we don't want to repeat that same failure. And so fear that they're going to get marriage wrong and they don't want to get into it uh, because they're afraid of getting it wrong. And many people have experienced the pain of their own parents' divorce and they're fearful as a result. So they want to get married, but they're afraid. Number three is the test drive theory. Anyone ever heard of this one before? This is, this is a uh, popular one. You wouldn't buy an expensive car without test driving it, would you? We want to find out if we're compatible first before we get married. Uh, number five, it makes sense financially. Number six, everyone does it. And number seven, we'll, we're in love and we will marry eventually. Uh, statistics show, though, that often the man and woman have vastly different expectations going into a relationship like this, where the woman expects that they're going to get married fairly soon, and the guy thinks, it's, yeah, it's way down the road sometime. Maybe we'll get around to it eventually. Um, so reasons and excuses. There's a huge amount of scientific evidence that cohabitation doesn't work well. And I'm not saying, I'm not condemning, I'm not saying that, that you can't um, uh, live together and, and then get married and serve God and, and come, uh, come to forgiveness and repentance uh, for uh, doing that and, and uh, have a normal, healthy life. What I'm saying is that there, there's a lot of evidence that uh, this straying outside of God's boundaries has, has negative consequences. And, and uh, number one, the cohabiting couple have not put investment and commitment into their relationship. So we're not completely committed, so there's an easy way out of this if we, if we want to. Number two, cohabiting relationships uh, are, have been found to be less healthy. In fact, scientific studies show that, that married people are more healthy physically than those not married or those living together. In fact, uh, Glenn Stanton 
uh, quote from him says, If marriage is a ball and chain, it appears to keep the threat of sickness and death tied down. Because people who are uh, in a good marriage relationship tend to be physically healthier. It's just uh, scientific uh, evidence for that. Next, married people benefit from dramatically stronger levels of health and longevity. Uh, longevity. So uh, uh, people who are in a healthy marriage relationship live longer. Uh, and one study showed that the health benefits married people enjoy was enough to offset the risk of smoking for men and enough to offset half the risk of smoking for women. So I'm, don't run out and start smoking today, please. Uh, but uh, uh, one scholar joked that uh, a married man considering divorce or taking up smoking faced quite a dilemma because it was about the same, same kind of option. Uh, each was going to be equally bad for his health. So uh, Glenn Stanton writes that, uh, quote, rather than a bow and chain that keeps us down, marriage, so much more than cohabitation, consistently lifts our physical and psychological health, keeps us away from doctors, speeds our recoveries from illness, and boosts our contentment. Number three, uh, statistics show that... Uh, I missed something. There we go. Uh, cohabiting partners are much more likely to cheat than married partners. Number four, even if partners do eventually marry, there's greater chance uh, for divorce, greater odds for conflict, less chance for true happiness. Cohabiting men are less interested in marriage, and even if they do marry, they become different kinds of, of husbands, uh, perhaps because cohabitation has taught them unhealthy relationship skills. And I believe, believe me, again, I believe that the grace of God can cover all this as, as people realize that, that uh, they need to come back to God and come back to his way of doing things, that God can bring healing, God bring, can bring restoration, God can bring grace. I've, I've seen that in, personally in, in people's relationships that, uh, who've realized, like, we're not following God's uh, plan for our lives, and we want, to, we want to do it right. And I believe that God's forgiveness and grace and, and peace has come in and, and brought tremendous healing to relationships. Uh, number five is that children thrive best in a home where a man and woman are married. Otherwise, there's a higher risk of poverty, higher risk of problem behavior, higher risk of abuse. Now, I want to talk about that test drive theory. You know, we, we test drive a car first before we, before we um, uh, buy it. The test drive theory causes us to treat each other like consumer products. And, and so it begins to ask the question, is he or she good enough? Or will he, he or she meet my needs? And it becomes a performance-based relationship. If you do X, Y, Z for me, then I'll marry you. If you make me feel loved, then I'll marry you. If you make me happy, then I'll marry you. If you fulfill my needs, then I'll marry you. If you like what I like, then I'll marry you. If you make something of yourself, then I'll marry you. If you don't do things that get on my nerves, then I'll marry you. If you satisfy me, then I'll marry you. If you treat me with respect, then I'll marry you. The test drive theory 
is based on me. It's based on selfishness. It's based on satisfying my needs and getting for myself. Again, uh, Glenn Stanton writes, in and of themselves, all these ifs matter in a marriage. They're important issues. Nothing is wrong with wanting to be loved. Nothing is wrong with wanting to be happy or having your needs met. But there are two approaches to dealing with these needs, uh, with these wants. One focuses on your partner satisfying you, and the second focuses on you satisfying your partner. What does God's Word say? Ephesians 5, yeah, there we go. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do you get that? God's pattern for love is that we honor and give and serve one another. So it's not for what I can get for myself, but for what I can give in the same way that Christ, as Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross for each one of us. That means I sacrifice myself in love and honor for my spouse. The marriage relationship is not just giving and honoring someone else, but it's also total commitment, not looking back. The marriage vows that we often hear in wedding ceremonies say, forsaking what? All others. Forsaking all others. That means that you don't go into the marriage ceremony with, with a list of, of uh, names and phone numbers in your back pocket in case this doesn't work out and, and you have a backup plan B and C and D. No, this is forsaking all all others. It's like a history lesson. Spanish explorer Cortez landed in South America in 1519. And, and some of his men didn't like South America. They wanted to mutiny. They wanted to go back home. And how did Cortez respond? He responded by burning his ships. He burned his ships. There was no way they were going to go back to Spain or Cuba or where, where they'd come from. They were going to stay in South America. He burned his ships. And history, history says that, that after he burned his ships, Cortez's men were now well motivated because they were 100% committed to being there. There was no looking back. There was no returning to the past. And, and so it should be as we enter into the marriage covenant forsaking all others. And so cohabitation, living together, creates this huge contrast in wedding celebrations. If you've lived together, it's, it's an after fact versus before the fact. If you've lived together, wedding is an acknowledgement of something that's already happened versus anticipation of something new. If you've lived together, it is, it, it's old news. Versus, it's new news. Something new is happening. If you've lived together, a wedding is, is not so much a, a big deal versus, this is a really big deal. It's something new. And if you've lived together, there's, there is happiness versus intense excitement. So God's pattern for relationship is to give and not to take. So I'd suggest here this morning young women, if your boyfriend doesn't honor you and serve you and give to you, maybe he's not the right one. 
if he's just into what he can get from you, maybe he's not the right one. If he doesn't hold open car doors and treat you like a princess, if he doesn't respect you, maybe he isn't the right one. Young women, don't get into a relationship thinking you will change this guy later. The old adage says, a woman gets married thinking her man will change, but he doesn't. A man gets married thinking his woman won't change, but she does. So the most important thing is, of all is to look for someone to date and to marry who follows Jesus, who's a born-again believer, someone who will encourage you in your faith and not drag you down, someone who will love you like Jesus loves you. So I want to say this morning, cohabitation is not just a bad idea. It's sex outside of marriage. It's fornication. It's a sin in the eyes of God. 1 Corinthians 6, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin in a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. God gives us boundaries, good, loving boundaries to protect us. He made us. He knows what is good for us. He knows what is bad for us. And people who venture outside those boundaries are at risk of getting hurt, getting wounded, getting disillusioned, being destroyed by the consequences of sin. They risk guilt. They risk shame. They risk regret. And all that scientific evidence about the negative effects are really just science catching up to God's standards and God's principles that have been there all along. So I know that here today there are many of you in many stages of life, and I'm not here to, to condemn, it, condemn anyone. God's forgiveness and, and grace and healing is here for everyone. Maybe you're living with someone now and you're not married. Uh, I want to call you to a higher standard today. Maybe you have lived and, and you lived together and now you're married. God's grace and forgiveness is here for you. God calls us to live according to his good design. And we suffer when we stray outside that boundary. And I want to call you this morning to become a radical follower of Jesus. So you lay down your life, you lay down your relationships, you lay down your hopes and dreams before him. Make him the Lord of every part of your life. That includes your relationships, that includes your thought life, that includes your sex life. Glenn Stanton again writes, Marriage on earth points us forward to that great wedding feast we talked about in, in Revelation which is really the, the culmination of all history. The wedding feast between the Lord Jesus Christ and his bride. We're that bride who was made ready for him. The bride of Christ is the church. And, and God is seeking each of us to be part of that bride. He's seeking each of us to be there at his great wedding as part of his bride. You know what? The invitations for the wedding have already gone out right here. They've already gone out for you. And his unending, his unquenchable love for us compels him to seek us, to have us respond with our yes to his proposal of love. And rather than getting down on one knee to propose to us, God put his only son on a cross as a dramatic wedding proposal. On this cross, he covered our sins. So we could wear white to his wedding. And I know 
If you're like me, almost all of us have friends or relatives or people we know who are, who are living together. There may be opportunities for you to speak healing into those lives. Something, sometimes all you can do is, is pray. Some of you have, have experienced uh, this, and, and you, can, you can be a blessing. You can be an encouragement. You can be a help to people who are going through the same kinds of issues and facing the same kinds of, of uh, decisions. If you realized you've sinned, if you uh, are sinning against God, there is grace, there is forgiveness for you. God invites you to come back to himself. And, and some are called by God and blessed, as we said, in, in being single, in singleness. And, and you're not broken. Set your hearts completely on pleasing God. Read 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, Paul talks all about being, being a single there. If you think you might marry someday... Keep your standards high. You were called by God. If you're called by God to, to someday get married, then, then look for that person who will raise you up in your, in your faith. If you were married but now you're single, we've got lots of different stages of life here today. God calls you and, and God blesses you in every stage. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, I especially call on you this morning to pray for your parent, uh, children, pray for your grandchildren. Uh, lift them up to God that they would seek and follow God's ways for them in, in each, of their, each of their lives. Finally, Stanton writes, marriage holds nothing back but cohabitation does. Marriage is a huge deal to God, for you can't read his word and draw any other conclusion. So don't settle for anything less than God's best. Let's bow our heads to pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for each life. I thank you for each person. I thank you for each relationship here this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for so many here who have chosen uh, or deliberately chosen to, to follow you and to obey you in, in uh, being single in a good and healthy way, in being married in a good and healthy way. Thank you, Lord. And I bless those who uh, maybe have lived together at one time and then realized that they weren't uh, following your way for them and, and chose to uh, seek marriage. And, and uh, Lord, just for all the situations here, thank you that you're at work in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you're at work drawing uh, us to yourself and that you're teaching and, and that we're learning and growing from you each, each step of the way. So, Lord, I bless this church family today in the name of Jesus. I bless each person, single, uh, uh, married, those who were married but are now single again. I bless the parents. I bless the grandparents. Uh, Lord, I pray healing and grace and forgiveness and, and uh, the goodness of God filling each relationship. Lord, I, I just come against the, um, the lies of the enemy today that, are, that um, are being spoken into the minds of people, giving excuses and reasons why it would be so much better to, to live together. Lord, I, I just pray that that your truth would prevail in, in uh, the lives of our people, the lives of our children, uh, lives of our young adults here in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you pour out your 
love. Would you pour out your goodness? Would you pour out your forgiveness? Lord, I pray that many people would turn back to you, turn back to following you, turn back to honoring and loving their spouses. Uh, Lord, that if people have been called to marriage, then Lord, I pray that they would uh, step forward and make those commitments that, that you've, you've called them to. Lord, in the name of Jesus, you stand to your feet with me this morning. We'd like to be here to pray with you. I'd like to invite our prayer ministers to come. And maybe God's placed something in your heart. You say, I'd like to someone to pray with me about this. I'd like uh, uh, to receive prayer for healing. I'd like to receive prayer for just the pain or the mountain that I'm walking through this morning. And, and so, Lord, I pray uh, that your healing grace, your uh, forgiveness, your peace would be uh, poured out abundantly this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that, that um, each of us, as we go from here today, we'd be uh, reflecting your love. We'd be reflecting your goodness. We'd be reflecting your grace today in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're at work in the lives of each person here. And, and Lord, uh, uh, would, you, would you bless and, and bring fruitfulness from each life, each family, each marriage, uh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you strengthen each marriage and, and strengthen each husband, strengthen each wife. Lord, uh, would you build up, build up each relationship, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I, I, I bless and I, I thank you. I bless and I encourage each marriage relationship here today. Lord, let them, let them grow and be strengthened. Let them be a reflection of the, the great marriage that is coming in heaven. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come forward for prayer. We'd love to pray with you this morning. With you this morning. With you this morning.